0: So as Chad said, um, today is our first Sunday of Advent. Um, the Advent, the season of Advent consists of four Sundays prior to Christmas, and it's a time of longing and anticipation. Each of the four Sundays, um, have a theme and the themes are hope, peace, joy, and love. Each Sunday, a candle in the Advent wreath is lit, and then on, for us, uh, On Christmas Eve, the white candle in the center, which represents Christ Himself, is lit. Um, As followers of Christ, living 2,000 years past the first Advent of Christmas, uh, we live in the midst of two Advent realities. The first reality is we look back at an arrival that has already taken place. And we anticipate the day of celebration, the day of celebrating the birth of our Savior, when he came um, in the form of man. The second reality is that we look forward with longing and anticipation to an arrival that is yet to happen. The first advent, bless you, was Jesus coming to earth in the form of mankind. And his purpose was to seek and to save the lost, which included me. The second advent will be Jesus coming to earth to reign as king. He will not come in the form of a baby. He will come in the form that he is now our Lord and our king. So we are here today as a people filled with expectation, looking back and remembrance and celebration, yet looking forward with longing and anticipation. You know, when I was growing up in my church, we did not do Advent. We were um, not a liturgical church at all. Um, so the first time I had ever heard of Advent was when I was in college. And since then, I have come to love this season. I have come to look forward to uh, the daily readings, the anticipation. Now, even though my church did not... Uh, celebrate or observe Advent, unknowing to me, I kind of participated in a form of Advent. In our house, Christmas was huge. I mean, we did the whole kit and caboodle, and my mom loved to decorate, so we had a Christmas tree, we had decorations all over the place, and my mom loved to bake. So we had probably 15 different kinds of cookies, and lots of them, lots of them. And Two favorite memories of mine. So looking back, uh, celebrating my family, she did, um, there was, when she baked, she had one tin. She always put her cookies in tins. She had an SK tin. Now, if you're from Baltimore, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because SK used to have a um, production plant <laughs> uh, downtown. But it was just a round tin, blue and orange, with SK on it. I always remember that but her cookies went in, it was great. The second memory is a decorating memory. We don't, I don't think people do this anymore, but she would take cray paper, blue and green, and she'd roll it together and she'd hang it from the chandelier to the corner of the dining room, the corners of the dining room. That was always cool. But today I look forward to Christmas. I look forward to seeing the smile on Cindy and Carson's faces in the morning to getting up In the morning and reading the story. That beautiful story of the advent. I look forward to having brunch with my family. They come over to our house and we just, you know, it's potluck because we're Baptist. So we do a potluck Christmas brunch. So I look forward to celebrating Christmas. So as Christians, we have that same kind of, I don't know, angst. That we look back and we celebrate the the advent that had already taken place, but we look ahead in hope of what will come, of what is promised to come. Um, So today, we celebrate hope. When I was, again, going back to my growing up years, there was one Christmas, there was, I remember this, there was one Christmas I really, really wanted just I, there was just one thing I wanted, and I hoped and I hoped and I hoped it was It was a toy that was very popular, it had uh, six vibrant colors on six different size sides, and it was the puzzle to beat all puzzles so Christmas morning rolled around, and we got up, and we always read the. Christmas story from Luke chapter 2 as a family, and then we would have breakfast, which was killer to kids because, you know, skip breakfast, let's get to the gifts, but we'd have breakfast and and then we could get to the gifts, so we opened up the gifts and I'd, uh, you know, I'd gotten the normal, you know, uh, pack of white tube socks, you always got a pack of white tube socks growing up, Yeah, we did anyway. And so I, you know, opened more gifts and uh, got a pair of pants and a shirt and I don't know, one or two toys, but I didn't get the Rubik's cube. It was not in my Christmas stocking or one of the gifts that I opened. And my hopes were crushed. They were dashed. Christmas was ruined. I was devastated and all my hopes were gone and life was horrible. It seemed silly, but to a kid, my hopes were gone. Now, as a 52-year-old, there are things that I hope for, but my hopes are dashed. Not quite a Rubik's Cube hope, but (laughs) other hopes and dreams. As adults, we all can identify, I think we can all identify with this type of story, but on a different level. As we live in today's society, as we have hopes and dreams, as we long for different things or different people, we put our hope in things in something, in someone longing, waiting, hoping, eagerly anticipating what this will be. Only to be disappointed and to let down, be let down. Of course, our stories are different. We have different locations. We have different um, aspects, different details, different objects of hope. But we share the same feelings when that hope is not fulfilled. We, share, we feel the same feelings of hope lost. We know the pain of disappointment unfulfilled expectations, shattered dreams of misplaced hope. It's not a nice place to be and it makes us sad. But I want you to think about where you have been and where you are placing your hopes. Think about where you're putting things in hopes that it just is going to work out a certain way, that it's going to fill you up and satisfy an aching or a longing in your souls, That is going to deliver you but the reality is, all things this side of heaven have some degree of disappointment. And all things and all people this side of heaven, to some degree, will fail you. We have hopes and dreams of a better job. We have hopes and dreams of health and wealth. We have certain hopes and dreams for our children, for our church, for our community, for our country, for the world. And yet daily we see these dreams shattered. Hope is lost. So the question then becomes, if everything disappoints, then what or who can hold my hope? What or who can I put my hope in where there is no disappointment? The word hope, when you think about it, is a daily part of our conversation. Even today, uh, Chad said, well, I hope you I forgot what he said, what have a half Thanksgiving or you're enjoying your, whatever it was. But I hope, oh, I hope you have a good day. Hope things go well in your meeting. Man, I hope we have a good lunch, which I know some of you are thinking right now. <laughs> but it's part of our daily conversations. Um, we hope, we use hope all the time. Now, in the Bible, the word hope is used over 200 times. Hope in the Bible can be summarized as a confident expectation in the future, a contagious enthusiasm for what will come. A confident expectation in the future, a contagious enthusiasm for what will come. This idea of hope is looking forward with enthusiasm, confidence, and expectation to the blessing on the other end of this. Hope is a good thing, and I would say. Hope is a necessity for life. We cannot live hopelessly. But if all things we hope in eventually disappoint, what can we put our hope in? So to answer this, let's look at Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. Um, Now, the book of Romans is a letter to the church in Rome. It's considered by many to be Paul's masterpiece. It is A work full of rich theology. Really something you can really dig your teeth into and just get good meat, hearty theology. Paul writes about sin and our condemnation before God, but God in his love has made a way for us. He talks about the history of God and Abraham and the promises given. Justification, sanctification, glorification, and God's calling are all discussed within this rich book. Then application of these truths in our lives on a daily basis. So we, you get in the book of Romans this rich theology, but then you also get how to apply this theology on a daily basis. In chapter 15, Paul lays out the promises given to Jews and Gentiles alike. Then it is is as if he stops to pray over his people. A prayer of hope for the church. So Romans chapter 15 verse 13 says May the God of hope fill you with all peace and joy In believing that by the power of the Holy Spirit You may abound in hope Now in our house this verse is handwritten on a little index card And it's hanging on our kitchen cabinet door above the coffee machine It's been there I believe since the last mission trip to Zambia Uh, Cindy had handwritten it on an index card as a reminder to pray every day for our mission team. It is now a reminder for me to pray it over Cindy and Carson and to pray it for Chad and all of our family. It's really a simple prayer that holds so much power in it that is such... um, I thought about it when Bunny was talking about a prayer of blessing... What a blessing to pray this over people. All about hope and peace. This prayer begins with, may the God of hope. Paul is making a declaration of the very being of God. God is the author of our hope. Not just our hope. He is the author of all hope. He is the source of hope and the inspirer of hope. God is our hope. When we say, I hope I get this promotion, or I hope she likes me, or I hope I have enough for retirement, or I hope the gravy isn't too lumpy, we are relying on circumstantial possibilities. Kind of goes along with what the video was saying. Man, I hope these um, circumstances work out good to bring the right thing that I want. Um, Circumstantial possibilities. Now, when we talk about hope in reference to our faith, when we talk about the blessed hope, or when we say, my hope is in the Lord, or when we say, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, we we are relying not on possibilities or circumstances coming together. We are relying on God's promises. And God is true and faithful. The scripture says that God does not lie. We are relying on God's promises. Promises like, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, old things are passed away, all things are become new. Promises like, there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus himself said, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come and get you that you may be with me. Our hope is not based on probabilities. Our hope is not based on circumstances. But our hope is based on promises spoken by the creator of the universe. Spoken by the one true God. May the God of hope. May the God of hope what? May he do something. Well, what does Paul, what is God, what is Paul asking God to do? May he fill you. Not give you a little, not give you just enough, but may he fill you. You ever go to like a diner or a restaurant and you ask for a cup of coffee and they come out with this like little cup? For those of you who drink coffee, you know what I mean. You know, it's just like, it's almost like a teacup and you're like, well, you just might as well leave the pot because I'm going to be going through this. God doesn't come to us and give us this little bitty cup or um, I shouldn't say this in a Baptist church. He doesn't give us a a shot glass of hope. (laughs) He brings the whole pot and he wants to lavish us with his hope. He wants to fill us up. Not just enough, but our cups run over when God fills us with hope. In the prayer, he wants us. Paul is asking God to fill us with joy and peace. May God fill you with joy and peace. What is joy and peace? And in this this time of year, we hear it all the time. It's the season of joy. It's the season of peace. We sing about it in in our Christmas carols, whether they're a secular Christmas carol or whether they're a religious Christmas carol. We hear these words all the time. But what is joy? Joy is an inward satisfaction of the soul. It's not a personality trait, nor is it a fake sugar-coated attitude. It is an inward satisfaction. It is an inward delight, knowing I am his and he is mine. Paul said, I know, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. It is that inward satisfaction of knowing who you are and whose you are and a satisfaction of the soul. Again, not not based on circumstances, but based on promises, joy and peace, peace. If joy is the inward satisfaction of the soul, then peace is the inward subtleness of the soul. A rest and contentment through the work of the Holy Spirit. The storm may be brewing around us, but it's not in us. Circumstances may be going wild. We may not know what is going to happen. But there is an inward, whoo, subtleness that God has it all under control. That's peace. That is the peace that surpasses all understanding. Man, I can't explain it. I don't understand it. But I know it. I know. Of this particular verse, Charles Spurgeon said, Peace is resting joy. Joy is dancing peace. Joy cries Hosanna before the well-beloved. But peace leans her head on his bosom. We walk with joy and we rest with peace. We walk with joy and we rest with peace. Paul is praying that God, that the God of hope would fill you with the evidence of the fruit of the spirit, which is at work in your life. So in believing is the next phrase in believing in believing is our part of this prayer. It is what we need to do in believing means continuing to place our love and trust, our confidence and faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord. I may not know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. No matter what's happening, we are trusting God. And that is not easy. I don't say that lightly, believe me. Chad and I, I've had many conversations with Chad about my job. Um, In believing. Man, it's, it's hard to believe when nothing is going your way and it 's not been going your way for a while. I often think about um, i 'll give you an example. I often think about this because I think of prosperity gospel preachers or those who proclaim the prosperity gospel and my question is always my question always is but what about those that They'll never know prosperity. They have no inkling of what prosperity is. I think of Haiti. That is just spiraling downward. The people in Haiti. It seems like they have no hope. You're going to go over there and say. Man, God wants you to be healthy, wealthy and prosperous. They're just trying to live. And I think. In the American church, it's not we as evangelicals. This is my viewpoint. Let me preface that. This is my viewpoint. I think as evangelicals, sometimes we, we kind of shun the prosperity gospel and we talk out against it. But we have a comfortable gospel that we proclaim underneath everything. God might not want you healthy, but he wants us comfortable. God would never call me to give up my house and move to a smaller house so that a mission could be started in the neighborhood. God would never call me to live in Baltimore City. It's too dangerous. God would never call me to sacrifice my retirement fund so that I could go over here. I'm not saying he's doing that, but I'm saying there is an underlying comfortable gospel that we kind of align ourselves with unknowingly. Sometimes I say that because I've struggled with it I'm not saying you I I just speak from my experience Because Looking for a new job Struggling in a place that was not Healthy um, For months Even over a year um, My hope My prayer was God give me a better job And God, through the process, which took many months because I'm hard-headed and forgetful, he'd say one thing and then he'd have to tell me three more times before I finally got it. Um, But my hope had to be in him, not in the circumstances. Um, Sometimes it's put this way. Are you seeking the hand of God or are you seeking the face of God? And in believing, we seek the hand of God, the, the face of God, excuse me. In believing, we seek the face of God. But his hand comes along with the face. There are always blessings of God. They may not be circumstantial. But I stand before you today, having gone through this situation. And it, it seems minuscule, but this situation of a job. But I stand before you today, more confident than ever, believing That God is in control. Believing that he has my best interest at heart. So our part is in believing. Believing what God has promised. Why? So that. In believing, so that. In believing, so that. Why? So here's the why behind the what. This is good stuff, y'all. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So he has prayed all these things. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing so that you may be filled with the hope. You may be filled with hope. Paul's prayer is book ended with hope. He begins with the source of our hope. May the God of hope. And he ends with hope. This abundant supply. A supply that will never run dry. Because the hope, our hope, is not circumstantial. Our hope is in the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This hope is It's indescribable because it's so immense. It's so personal because Jesus came for all mankind. John 3.16 says that. For God so loved the world, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus, this huge God came down in the form of a man for all of humanity, yet he is such a personal God. He deals with us on a personal level because in the sense of my hope, what I need to hope in is Jesus. But the details of that is different from the sense of hope that Chad needs. It's still the same hope, but it's delivered in, in a different way. Do you understand what I'm saying? Our circumstances are different, but man, Jesus is the same. So on this first Sunday of Advent, I am so excited. I love Christmas. It's my favorite time of year. I love the baking. It's, it's hectic in our house. It's, you know, and working and school and all this with baking, trying to get the decorating done, buying all the gifts. Thank you, Cindy. Um, You know, she does all that. Um, The gift, buying, baking the cookies. But I love the expectation that we have, that joy and, and peace that fill us. But I also love what Advent means for the future. My mom, growing up, you know how moms are, <laughs> but I was—you know—we were in church every Sunday, every Wednesday. My mom truly believes that in her lifetime, the Lord will come back. She believes she's not a fanatic. She has her opinions. She might be wrong, but she's never in doubt. Um, but she believes that so much that when she, um, when she had cancer several years ago, she told her doctor. I'll be fine because I know the Lord takes care of me. And I believe that I'll see him before I die in physical death. She believes that with all her heart. And growing up, that's all I ever heard. Oh, we're living in the last times. We're living in the end days. Lift up your head, your redemption draweth my. Eye. I heard that all my life. And the older I get, the more I understand it. I don't know if these are the last days. I know what I think. But whether we're in the last days or not, I still look forward with longing and anticipation in the blessed hope that there will be a second advent of Christ. And I will be part of that advent. Because I have decided to name the name Jesus in my heart. So followers of Christ, I want to encourage you today, as we think of hope, man, your life might be messed up, circumstances are not what you want them to be, and in the coming weeks, it's just going to get crazy, because Christmas is here, and all the American (laughs) trappings of Christmas come with it. There's no way around it. You can't get out of it. But our hope is not in those trappings. So I encourage you to take the tools that our church is offering you to recenter, to refocus about Christmas, and to realize hope is in a person. Circumstances they change, but Jesus never changes. For those of you who you don't know this hope, you don't. You've never followed Jesus. You've never really made a proclamation. You've never decided to follow Him. This is. A gift that is being given to you. But you have to receive it. I encourage you to take that gift. Because we all need hope. And it's being offered to us today through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because of his first advent.